What is up, guys? You've got Evan Knowles here. We are recording out of Louisville this week. So we are in Story, right downtown. Shout out to this space. We booked a room. The space is brand new. It looks amazing. There's all kinds of events going on here. Uh, Techstars was here with one of our past guests, Josh Lau, uh, asking about his story and him you know, telling his story to the Louisville community. So it's awesome to be here and, and have this energy around here. Um, today's special, uh, we have a guest that uh, has started an amazing uh, organization. We're looking forward to telling her story. Uh, her name is Jackie Wilmot, and uh, she started Accelerate Health, and we're looking forward to hearing all about her, so thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we get into anything about the specifics of Accelerate Health, uh, please give us your background on uh, you know, where you're from, education, uh, just start wherever. I'm from a small town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania called Harmony, which is where the Harmonites settled. It's a cool name. If anybody's interested. Yep. And um, I went to a small girls' school in Erie, Pennsylvania called Villa Maria College and got my nursing degree there. And then um, went to the University of Pittsburgh and uh, got a clinical nurse specialist degree, which is a master's prepared nurse. And then went to U of L and went to the Integrative MBA program, which focuses on entrepreneurship. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. So, at what point did you say? Because most people that I know that uh, are in the medical field are just doing nursing. They're focused on that in college. Mm -hmm. uh, they're focused on working at a hospital or a clinic or something of that nature. When yeah. did you say? You know, I'm interested in starting a business or entrepreneurship or anything like that. What, yeah. what made you interested? Well, every day, I worked in the neonatal ICU. My, my degree is in perinatal nursing. And every day I faced pain points in the market and saw challenges in the clinical space. And I always wanted to develop stuff to solve those problems, but never really knew how or you know, had the capacity to do that or the ecosystem to do it. So... I've always been interested and kept my eyes and ears open for that and wandered into this space quite by accident, but I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, entrepreneurship's definitely uh, about solving problems. Yep. So it's good that, and part of solving problems is obviously identifying them. Yep. So it's good that you identified them and then wanted to learn, you know, how to solve them. Mm -hmm. um, you have some, you know, really great experience in the corporate world as well. Uh, with Humana. Mm -hmm. Talk about your experience there and how you got there, and then you know I've got some follow-up questions about that. Sure. Well, I spent 13 years in the neonatal ICU, and when I came to Louisville, Kentucky, the, the practice of nursing and medicine was quite different in labor and delivery and in the neonatal ICU, and I really wanted to do something to solve the pain point that parents were experiencing. The babies really had to stay until they were five pounds and where I had worked and practiced before they really were able to get out of the hospital based on their growth and their ability to eat and maintain their temperature. So I wrote a business plan. I was really thinking about building something in the home space that would support parents to get to get their babies home sooner. And while doing that I talked to Humana and some others and Humana was very interested in, in that um, product but 
I found out after I had done a lot of work that I couldn't start a business like that in Kentucky because there was a moratorium on getting a CON, which is a certificate of need. Mm-hmm. And um, that led me just to, you know, after I told Humana I couldn't do it, they invited me to come in and, and build something similar to that within their organization. So that's how I ended up jumping from um, clinical practice to wanting to be an entrepreneur, not being able to do it, and ending up in a large corporate world. And yeah. I, I really loved it there. It was like, yeah, I was going to ask if you enjoyed it or not. So it's good to hear yeah. you enjoyed it. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from Humana and being in a large corporation like that? What did you learn about starting a business, running a business, leadership? Talk about you know what you learned. Yep. Um, I had a lot of experiences there, different experiences, and a lot of great uh, mentors. And I really understood how. <laughs> there's some noises. Uh, there's an event. There sounds like they're moving around chairs. <laughs> they're cleaning up the chairs. They're cleaning up. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I, I had a lot of exposure to startup companies while I was at Human, and also was able to be an entrepreneur and develop stuff and build it and get it out to market. We had a venture capital firm at the time, and we brought startups into the organization. And part of my role was to help them scale nationally, get them settled and ready to go and and get them scaling nationally. And then on the other, my other hat, which I wore uh, more frequently than that one, was working in the innovation center and building out clinical programs nationally for for Humana. Yeah, and part of learning, you know, the innovation space and entrepreneurship, I I saw when I was doing research that you had uh, learned from Steve uh, Steve Blank. Yeah. You know, one of the world's greatest entrepreneurs, one yep. of the greatest educators, and the really one of the creators of education for entrepreneurship. Yep. Did you go out to Stanford? Or did you I go did. out to California and yep. take his class? Yeah. Talk about that. Cause yeah, I think we had about 13 people in Louisville that went over uh, a couple couple year period, and it was awesome. It was really great, great to meet him, and mm. that was in the early stages of me learning about Lean. And it was so great to really be side by side with the pioneer there. It was interesting though because they they didn't um, necessarily offer something for um, accelerators and incubators. Then it was uh, the the session that we attended was directed towards academics. So I was really in a, a situation that I hadn't been in before with a lot of university and faculty, which um, I've ended up. My journey has ended up leading me there. I can tell you that in a bit. But that was going to be part of you know the questions I was going to ask going forward as we kept discussing this was can you apply those same principles to uh, you know a healthcare startup? And we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Steve Blank. I took his course uh, in college online, learned all about the canvas, and uh, it's important. You know, if somebody's learning entrepreneurship, I definitely encourage you to look up Steve Blank and take his courses, read his material, and um, you know dig in there. So let's transition. Let's start talking about what you're doing now uh, and talk about Accelerate Health. Uh, so talk about you know, the creation of that and when, when that happened. Yep. Um, in 2012, there were probably three folks that were tossing around the idea to, to start an accelerator. And there were some that wanted to do a general accelerator and others that were thinking about a healthcare. Because this is really a hotbed bed for healthcare, yep. um, although there's nothing really supporting the demand uh, relative to what the entrepreneurs needed. So um, they, you know, rounded up some funding and um, I ended up being part of that co-founder team and launching Accelerate Health in 2013. That's awesome. So how many co-founders? Uh, and then real quickly, just yep. a high level, what's their background? Yep. There's four, the original three that were, you know, really doing the, the grunt work, getting out and trying to figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to find funding. 
are um, Bobby Ferrari and Ted Smith and Bob Saunders okay. and uh, yeah, and myself. Good, awesome. And so you guys have been around since 2012. Um, how has the growth been as far as interest in the community? Because you know, just watching Awesome Inc. and you know, learning about some of these other incubators and accelerators and just startup communities, it takes a while to foster that that growth. So, how did you guys go about that, and how has you know the growth been and interest been over time? Yeah, um, we've we've uh, grown to about sixty plus startup companies that have gone through the boot camp. So we have a boot camp program that's three months uh, long, and we hold one each year here in Louisville, Kentucky. Half of the companies are typically from Kentucky, and the other half are from anywhere in the United States and Canada, Europe. And then we have an intercession program where we work with companies more virtually. Those tend to be much more mature companies that are looking for, you know, Series A funding and that type of thing. But oftentimes there um, could be life science companies that have a really long trajectory till you know they launch. Yeah. And the ones that are not locally here in the United, here in uh, Kentucky, rather, um, is it word of mouth? How are they hearing about you guys? Is it mentors? Yep, that's really evolved over the years. It, originally, we really found companies from F6S and then um, word of mouth. It's now uh, we've partnered with a number of different VC firms, and then our mentors refer the VC firms refer us companies that aren't quite ready for venture capital funding but could use a little help um, making sure that they have a good, solid business model. Mm-hmm. And then um, our mentors, we have a national me- mentor network, and we get a lot of referrals from them as well. Yeah, that's great. And the universities. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so talk about the, the services you all provide. Once, once a startup is identified and you get in touch with them and there's you know, this vested interest to work together, mm-hmm. what major services are you guys providing them to help them grow? Yeah, we've learned a lot about that. Um, when we first started out, we modeled after you know typical accelerators where a bunch of young people come and work in the space all the time and use lean and that kind of stuff. We've evolved to something different um, because we are getting companies in from all over the U.S. Um, we only have them come in, and this is by their request. Have come have them come in one day a week. And it's very intensive from morning until night. We start the day out by um, them showing us their business model canvas and where they progressed, talk about their customer discovery interviews, and then what they learned about that and how that changed. They may also have assignments that they take back out into the market and do. And then we have one-on-one coaching in the afternoon with them. And then we work with them as they need throughout the week. And even after they graduate, Accelerate Health keeps working with the founders. Yeah. And, you know, mentorships, mentorship's a big part of, of what you guys do. You guys have built, you know, I looked on your website, impressive, you know, network of all kinds of facets of the healthcare industry. How'd you go about building that and, um, you know, talk about just the mentorship program in general? Yep. It was tough. I'm sure. Uh, we launched like mid-January and I had a goal to have 100 mentors in by um, March 1st. And I just went at it as hard as I could, um, accessing the, the network, you know, the network that our, our co-founders had and this region had and experience in the market. Um, and that's how we started out with 100. And now we're always looking. I mean, we always had a model where we were looking for diversity. And sometimes it's hard to find that. But we, we do try to make sure that we're finding both companies that are diverse and, and uh, mentors that are diverse. And, and, you know, when anybody's asking for a mentor, I'm sure it's similar 
ask for you guys, but when people are looking for a mentor, there has to be a, a conversation around you know, how much time are these mentors willing to commit to you. Yeah. Uh, not only when you're you know, a one-on-one mentor or, you know, like I said, a, a firm like you guys, mm-hmm. there's always that conversation. So how did you go about having that conversation and get them vested and say, you know, this is not going to take too much of my time, but I'm still going to be able to provide a good amount of value, you know, to this cohort or to this to this organization. Right. So maybe I should just back up a second and describe that we do have coaches that are on the ground coaches that volunteer their time to come every week during the cohort and work with our companies. So they work with us on Fridays, and then they also work with the companies and set up other meetings to talk with them outside of that. And then we have mentors who either can work with them face-to-face or they're virtual because they're located anywhere in the U.S. And our mentors are probably more likened to subject matter experts. They're not a mentor per se that you might think that, oh, you're my mentor and you're going to be my guide you know, through the next 10 years. These folks are accessed at a very particular time in the entrepreneur's journey. We vet every mentor request and every mentor intro and we only want to use those chits mm-hmm. if you will yeah. when it's the right time for that company and you know the funny thing is entrepreneurs come in I remember our first year they came in and they had the list of all the mentors on our website that they wanted to talk to the first week but yeah, yeah it's really you know cordoning that off and, and serving those up yeah. at the right time. it's it's hard to to do that because I yeah. mean just learning you know myself doing this podcast you know I've met so many people and people know that I I know that I know these people, right? right? So they come to me and say, "Hey, can you connect me to this person? Can you connect me to that person?" And I just connected somebody to them last week. Yeah. I don't want to connect somebody again, so I've got to push, you know, push it a little bit. It's uh, So it's hard to balance that, yeah. right? Because they're a valuable resource, and you don't want to exhaust Absolutely. exhaust them or burn them out yeah. on what you're trying to achieve. And there's certain ones with certain sp- specific expertise that yeah. everybody wants to talk with. Yeah. yeah, and some of them, you know, you obviously got to hold tight and yeah. uh, not put too much on their plate. Um, let's talk more about, again, back to the healthcare uh, startup space. Uh, what are some of the unique challenges? Back to that you know, Steve Blank conversation we were having earlier. Uh, let's transition to that and talk about what are some of the unique challenges a healthcare startup faces versus maybe a traditional software company. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the unique ones? I'm sure regulation, yeah. adoption, I'm sure is harder because you have to jump through more hoops. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. I mean, healthcare in general is really complicated. It can be really complicated, especially with enterprise solutions. Most of the companies you work with are B2B. Mm. So, um, as you said, there's regulatory needs. They need to figure out if if they need to have a regulatory stra- strategy and how they're going to get through the FDA. Some of that requires clinical trials and additional funding. There's reimbursement, so they have to connect with a payer and either get a code that they're going to reimburse or get their approval to get a code to get reimbursed. And then um, the workflows in the clinical setting are just really complicated. And one of the things that entrepreneurs don't think about is how they're going to integrate what they're doing into the workflow. And if they're unable to do that, they're going to be dead in the water because folks don't want to change what they're doing to do something new. Yeah. So those are some of the challenges. There's a, there's a lot of other stuff as well. Would you say it's it's harder to break into? Does somebody need a really great uh, reputation or a lot of experience to even go about starting a medical technology or a medical startup? Doesn't matter if it's technology or not. Um, is there a larger barrier to entry for a founder than maybe other other entries? Uh, uh, industries? I think it's just being really astute and. Um, 
you know, relative to the market and knowing what those pain points are that you're trying to solve mm-hmm. and understanding what's out the other end of it. You know, one of the things that is difficult, like in the diagnostic area, and then you can apply it to anywhere, but I always ask the founder the so what question. So for like a diagnostic, I have this fabulous diagnostic that's gonna find X. And if they can't answer that so what question, providers aren't going to order it and mm-hmm. do it, have any intervention um, relative to that diagnostic. So they've got to think through that. And if they're, if they're astute enough to get out and listen to what happens during their customer discovery interviews, they um, can and morph and pivot a bit relative to what they're creating to match the needs of what the provider might want. Yeah. And then, you know, let's touch on capital in this, in this space. Um, is the capital traditionally more uh, institutional? Is it VCs just like other parts of the startup space? Mm-hmm. Where's a lot of this capital coming from to grow these early stage companies? Yeah, we work with a lot of life science companies. So there is a non-dilutive portion. And you don't have to be a life science company to get it, but like the SBIR and STTR funding. So, you know, we always encourage, encourage folks, especially if they have a long path to market, to get funds that aren't going to dilute their cap table. But um, relative to funding, they need both angel funding and venture capital funding. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. And I think one of the things our companies wrestle with most is finding a lead investor, which you need a lead investor. You need customers to get capital. It's... It, it's tough to do. It's chicken and egg kind of thing. Yeah, and for your all's uh, startups that come out of Accelerate Health, is the is the capital coming from this region? Is it coming from other regions? Is it because you know talking with a lot of startups, uh, just regular startups, software technology, it's hard to find capital around here. What's the trend look like for you guys? Is it similar to them that you're having to go outside of this area? Yeah, it, it is really hard to find capital. I just, I, I think it's hard to find in general. Where I see people struggling here is finding a lead investor. Yeah. You know, that's going to really lead doing the diligence and stuff. But a number of our companies have rounded up their capital here and had significant investments. Good. So it, it can happen. Certainly we could do better. Yeah, always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's you know transition to you know similar question Louisville in general. What does Louisville have that's unique that allows something like an Accelerate Health to thrive and, and do well and and help these startups you know become part of the community and grow here? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you know looks, yeah. Louisville, Louisville does well. Yep. Well, it has a really strong healthcare ecosystem. It, Humana is sitting down in the middle. Yeah. And has, yeah. You know has um, talent in the healthcare space that's sitting inside that organization. They come and go, which, you know, provides an ebb and flow into the community and the health, and the entrepreneurial community. And there's been a lot of startups. I don't know the, you know, the exact count, but there's been a ton of startups that have ended up spinning out of, um, you know, having their beginnings at Humana and then spinning out and starting a company. Yeah. So you got the university, you've got a lot of these Yep. Hospitals here. How many hospitals are actually in Louisville? I feel like I see a new one every time I come here. Do you, you have do. any idea? I, I haven't seen any new ones. But might not be any new ones. Their names but, or <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one. So I went to St. X and right off of uh, what road is that? Poplar Level. 
Uh, Looks like they made a whole brand new renovation on the hospital there. I I got you. So there are hospitals that um, have different branches, different places. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. Yeah, there's. I mean, downtown there's there's Norton and Baptist Hospital East and University of Louisville, and you know, those are probably the top three. Yeah, I don't know. I'm probably forgetting somebody. (laughs) I apologize about that. Yeah, no, it just feels it just feels like there's a lot. Uh, what are some of the major success stories that have come out of, of your old group? Talk about some of your favorites. Yes, so success is a um, tricky word. It's, uh, um, if yeah, you it's ask, yeah, if you ask a venture capitalist how many, it would be who's had an exit or um, who has you know raised a bunch of money and then returned their those monies to the investors. But I really view success along a pathway. And for healthcare, you know, there's multiple places where uh, founders feel success. You know, one is if they have to get through the FDA, getting through the FDA, getting a reimbursement code so if somebody's going to pay for this, and um, finding a key customer. And that oftentimes starts with a paid pilot that transitions into a paying customer, and you know, then building that business and accumulating customers and really growing your revenue. So you do have the opportunity if you want to to exit to somebody or if you're a life science company maybe license your technology and never actually have revenue yeah i was gonna that was gonna be my next question was what does success look like specifically for a company coming out of you know accelerate health but i think you touched on it well there it makes sense that it could be a variance of of things um so you know what about exits? Let's narrow that down. Have you guys had any exits so far? We have, the cohort? We have not. We have one company that um, has been talking to large pharma, and you know they've they've been a company that's they, they've grown to about thirty employees, and they've never had to raise capital. They're bringing in, in revenue, wow. hard work. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So who knows? Um, yeah. May or may not uh, happen, but. We have another, you know, another handful of companies that are that are doing very well. Some have raised, um, you know, between four and eight million dollars within six six months of uh, graduating, and others have been re- revenue positive and really escalated their revenue growth post accelerator. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. What would you all say is the biggest challenge you guys have faced throughout your whole journey? Because uh, we always love to talk about the successes, but. Yeah. What are the major challenges or even yeah. failures? You know, if you want to take it that far, what are some major challenges or failures you guys have had? Yep. Um, we're a nonprofit, so funding has always been a challenge. You know, thankfully, getting started, uh, Metro Louisville and um, CED supported us. And, you know, we, we chip away just like most nonprofits do with not a whole lot of money. But I think we, we yield a lot out the other end. Um, we do... We, we have uh, just been recognized by the SBA and for the fourth year out of five. We were awarded um, the SBA Growth Accelerator Award Fund, which is a very competitive competition. Eight, 800 to 1,000 accelerators apply. Hmm. We're the only healthcare accelerator that's received that four wow. years in a row. Congrats. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then last year we were awarded um, the NIH grant through to develop a... Uh, technology transfer network hub and uh, there's four hubs in the United States that are the idea state regions which are typically underserved and underfunded 
and we're working we were granted to build out the hub in the southeast and that consists of accelerate health was the small business concern the fiduciary on that grant the recipient and we've partnered with 24 universities in six states in Puerto Rico, and UK is the academic lead for the grant with us. And that, that grant, if we continue to go um, for three years, it's a total of $3.4 million. Wow, yeah. I'm sure that helps a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of fun too, because we love working with researchers and faculty at university, because there's a lot, a lot of life science coming out of there, and that's really a complicated business to, to help support, especially researchers that really don't understand commercialization. So yeah. it's really fun getting on the front end of that. Yeah, we've had uh, Ian McClure on from UK. I don't know if you've He's, met him. Ian's our partner at UK. That's awesome. He, yeah. he, he was very instrumental in getting getting this grant. He's yeah. awesome. I like him. Ian a lot, too. Yeah. He's, Lexington is lucky and grateful to have him. I know, because he lives in Louisville. Yeah. I tell him that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really lucky. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I'm sure he gets phone calls from all kinds of organizations. Awesome. Yeah, he is. Um, we always like to, towards the end of the podcast, you know, again, bring it very local and talk about the state of startups uh, and the community wherever we are. We're in Louisville. Talk about, if you want to make it even more narrow and talk about, What's the state of medical health care, startups in Louisville, or if you want to go more broad and just talk about startups in general, but where would you say Louisville is right now as far as an ecosystem for startups? I think it's awesome. I, I love it. took me a while to find it after I left Humana, but we have a really supportive, inviting environment. Um, mentors, people just give their time. I don't think I've ever asked somebody for some time and they didn't give it to me. The same with our startup companies. It's, it's an awesome place to grow a business. It has a low cost of living and for healthcare, it's really a hub for healthcare ecosystem. We didn't mention all the long-term care and elder care stuff and services that are here, which makes it even richer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I hear so many mixed things, but you know, the thing that you mentioned that really resonates and we found to be so true is just the willingness for people to give time. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we started this podcast and we've never been turned down by a guest. I think that's special because if we were to do this in, you know, New York or San Francisco or some of these larger markets, that just wouldn't be the case. Um, so that is definitely one thing that Louisville, Lexington, the state of Kentucky has going for it is, and, um, you know, we've had guests talk about it is that, you know, that southern charm or that hospitality that willingness to connect with people in person and just talk you know and just pass on your your knowledge when our startups come from out of um out of the state they just cannot believe like all the stuff that louisville and kentucky in general have to offer yeah let's what about this let's ask uh how about things that louisville could improve on what have you noticed that it could improve on this is just a really pers- personal passion of mine. Um, the hardest work that we do is getting our founders into big codes. And there's not an organized process to do that. And not to get in and to get money or to be a customer, but to get in and do customer discovery. Mm-hmm. Because most people don't really understand the innards of like a hospital system or a payer system. And unless they have, you know, probably, I don't know, five to 20 touch points in there to learn the different areas, it's going to be really hard to build a successful business. 
And um, I have connections because I worked at Humana and I've made connections to some other places, but we could be a much more inviting ecosystem if we could figure out a, work, a way to work more closely together with our founders here in Louisville, getting in and talking to people in those organizations. And it's fun for them. They, they would enjoy it. I'm sure it's a good change of pace. Yeah. And people bring that up pretty often, actually. And do you think it's a mindset problem with these large corporations, or is it just a logistical time process problem? I haven't figured that out yet. It's yeah. really yes, it's really frustrating because we we recently launched in another region and the hospitals open up their doors for our companies to go in and talk with them, and um, we've brought our Louisville cohorts there to um, be able to get in and be able to talk to folks. So I don't know I don't know what it is. I'm trying to crack that code, but I've I've had difficulties in staying yeah. on. Seems like everybody is, but it, I'm yeah. sure it'll be figured out. Where do you want Accelerate Health to be in the next five five years? I always like to end on a forward-looking, positive statement. Uh, what's what's your positive-looking forward statement? Yeah, so we exist really to cultivate and grow healthcare innovation in the Southeast and the Midwest, and also other areas across the U.S. that are typically under-recognized for healthcare innovation, but they have great innovate healthcare innovations or underfunded. So I see in the next five to 10 years that we continue to grow into those areas that are